0: to The Anthroposopher, where we bring anthroposophy to life through interviews, conversations, and explorations. I'm Lars Gappatici, your host. December can be a time of darkness as well as light, and Lynn Jericho from Imagine Self has created opportunities for people to explore and reflect on this time of year. Through her work with Inner Advent and Inner Christmas, Lynn helps us discover what the year has meant to us and helps us look ahead. I hope you like this episode, and I hope it fills your holiday season with meaning. Good morning, Lynn. Thanks for joining me on the Anthropossa for today. It's good to see you, Laura. <laughs> I think I just want everyone to know um, a little bit about your work, and your work was one of the first things I encountered um, when I was really struggling with my connection and relationship to this time of year and to Christmas in particular. I really didn't like it. Like, I was just not into Christmas. It felt so materialistic. I always ended up feeling super empty, and then I... Came upon your inner Christmas process that just really changed everything for me. And so I have a, a totally different relationship with Christmas because of your work. So, why don't you talk about your work a little bit? But that was my experience, life changing. Thank you. So,
1: well, you're welcome. It changed my life too. <laughs> I mean, it was just amazing. One day in 2004 um, in New York City, looking at the Rockefeller Christmas tree and you know, within three years, there are 10,000 people following Inner Christmas. Wow. Including people in Siberia, people in Sao Paulo, people in Croatia, the Philippines, ev- everywhere. In India, um, it's been quite an amazing experience. And it led me to developing Imagine Self, which is this website I've created with all these courses Um that are about this most important task oh human soul know thyself and it's yeah i can't emphasize the importance uh of that and yeah really it's work it's hard hard work and it begins with self-compassion so i i've created these courses i have a you know, I have a whole shelf of binders with all the printouts. And, um, and this year I'm developing podcasts on oh. the wis- wisdom of fourfoldness.
0: Um, oh, cool.
1: Yeah, it's very cool. I it mean, is, I, say what
0: fourfoldness is for people that might not know.
1: All right. Well, uh, fourfoldness in general is we're looking at this picture of the human being. So there's the human being who exists in space as a physical body the human being that exists in time as a living body, an etheric body that has a biology and a biography. And then there's the human being in the realm of relativity, which is where our thoughts and our feelings and our intentions swirl around and have, and you know, it's not confined. So, uh, and then the, the fourth, body is this body of spirit or of I am that has no story, has has no physical limitations, is absolute, there's nothing relative. And that's where we have to go. And everything fits into fourfoldness, earth, water, air, and fire. I just read a brilliant article on sexuality that talked about Attraction, desire, activity, and arousal. That fits into fourfoldness. Um, you know, I mean, I could go on and on. I have, yeah. I was down at the Atlanta Waldorf School, and after I did my um, program, I went out to dinner with, with friends, all of whom are my clients. <laughs> And they, this one cow just teased me. She said, "Lynn, you can turn anything into a fourfold. (laughs) It's just there." I mean, I I was reading something by um, the philosopher Michel Foucault, and he talked about the four forms of punishment, which is very important. So it's uh, to be seen as a criminal, to be seen as a captive. To be seen as a slave or to be seen as an exile. Wow. All right. So one of our great fourfoldness is the temperaments. Mm-hmm. So the the last thing a phlegmatic wants to be seen as is a criminal. Mm-hmm. The last thing a sanguine wants to be is a captive. The last thing a choleric wants to be is a slave. And the last thing a melancholic wants to be is an exile. I mean, it's, it gives me goosebumps when I read things like that because it gives me a new way of understanding who I am and what operates in my soul and yep. what I have moved through and let go of and uh, really grasp. So, yeah, that is what you
0: do. I feel like that's what your work asks people to do is to have a, a look at themselves, a compassionate look, sometimes just a very objective observational look and then go from there and transform. And that transformation is, like you said, it's absolutely what's needed because it's the only thing that can change the outer circumstances. It
1: is the greatest anthroposophical deed. Rudolf Steiner said more than any other phrase, he said, oh, human soul, know thyself. Anthroposophy is the great cosmology of selfhood. Hmm, and we really need to take that up.
0: Yep, absolutely. Oh, thanks and, for saying that.
1: Yeah. Tell us what you're
0: up to or what you want to share today. And
1: in, in thirty years of doing spiritual counseling um, or having sacred conversations, what I why conversations are so important. So um, we each, in our individuality, have this experience of having an angel that holds all that we've been all that we will be all that we are in the moment and when i engage with people it's leads to this conversation of the angels um and so what i have when i began and i had no idea what was going on i would get these feelings these insights about a client and i go nuts because where is this coming from (laughs) And um, am I just projecting? Am I whatever? And yet somehow I always would say it out loud to my client. And, and it always hit the mark. And I finally realized that I was getting these signals from their angel. Their angel wanted me to say something to them that they weren't hearing on their own. Right. And, and so... Now what I've noticed is that with clients I've been working with for a while, that they become very much aware of my angel. I notice what happens is at some point they start wanting to know how I am. And it's genuine, you know, really. It's not avoiding. It's about creating the relationship, the intimacy, the compassion. Mm -hmm. And if if they don't have compassion for me, you know and becomes one-sided so what happens then is the we develops and when, with the we we get an archangel can enter in can shape the conversation hmm this is why Waldorf faculties need to do so much biography work because it's only through the biography work that the we forms right. it's not about dealing with pedagogical questions or administrative questions it's who are we Mm. Why are we together, and then the being of the school can enter into the conversation makes a huge difference and then when what goes on in a conversation with the archangel presence so whenever two or more are gathered in my name that's that 's really just calling in the archangels and and the whole system starts healing and getting empowered and i mean it 's remarkable. And then the archive can come in and then something totally new is given because the archive are the future, they're the beings of the future. And so suddenly we see where we have to go. Mm -hmm. It's just been putting that together alone (laughs) has been amazing. What is going on here if we don't ask these questions?
0: yeah wow and if we don't do the work together the things that need to come in that would only come in between two people or a group of people won't well, right. come right yeah that's right. so so amazing mm-hmm.
1: it's not how much steiner have you read how well can you articulate what steiner said it's nothing like that it's all really just being open the spiritual world only understands questions
0: they mm-hmm. don't want answers And
1: I was just reading um, Steiner in uh, four lectures he gave in 1914 called Human and Cosmic Thought. And it's where I first experienced 12 points of view, because he talks about that, which is what I bring to the the holy nights and and inner Christmas. And he said, people think they're thinking, but they're really just playing with familiar words and phrases. And and this is very much in the realm he says in the realm of the spirits of form. But real thinking takes place when there's flow, it's fluid, there's movement. It's the spirits of movement or the dynamies. And so it's not studying science. And we have brilliant, brilliant people who are masters in the realm of the spirits of form. They can articulate. Diner so exquisitely. And then there are the people that have this fluid thinking that sound a little weird and a little crazy, but they hit the mark. Yeah. They're living in this fluid experience. And then there's the spirits of wisdom, the curiosities, which are formlessness. So our job is to think and dance between formal thinking and formless thinking hmm. and the fluid movement in between is where we have to go. And that takes courage and that takes trusting yourself. It takes not being afraid of screwing up and looking like you're crazy.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's what's needed for the new to emerge. And I feel like that's that I feel like, you know, I think there'll be some people listening that'll be like, I don't know what angel she's talking about here. But what I can relate to is like, this concept of that new forms are needed. And that they are, people are pushing up against things that are fixed and trying to break them down. And so I heard you just talk about that whole cycle that happens from the spiritual perspective and that there are actually um, these like sort of, if you choose to go there, helpful beings that that can can make that go forward. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, wow. Awesome.
1: And it's it's wonderful. Once we get into applying anthroposophy to seeing it everywhere, it makes such a difference. I was talking with a friend of mine in Germany yesterday via our wonderful internet, and um, and I was telling him how the previous night, I have a little study group here, and somebody was talking about the horrific dangers of 5G and, you know, the fact that we've got these things in our ears right now. And, uh, you know, I have my laptop on my lap. I've had it on my lap for 20 years. Um, And what popped out of my mouth uh, was, you're forgetting we have the elementals and the elementals are here to protect us from that but we must acknowledge the elementals. We must, you know, pay attention to them, feel their energy. We want, I mean, I don't see elementals, but I feel them and sometimes I hear them. And it's, you know, if I look at um, everything in our homes, uh, the, the chair I'm sitting on is held together by an elemental. You know, it's not just the grand spirits of fire and earth and water and air. It's the spirit that lives in a tree or a plant or a potato or a carrot. (laughs) But it's also the spirits that dwell in our home, in our objects, in what man is making. And Mm -hmm. they're very close to us, but they need us to give them moral consciousness because they don't know what to do and they get nasty very easily. This is why people are loving Marie Kondo. It's decluttering, it's that suddenly energetically the elementals have transformed. Right. Yeah. Elementals in clutter and mess get really nasty. The yeah. other thing that the spiritual world and the elementals love from us is our ability to laugh
0: mm. at
1: ourselves.
0: So tell me about what's going on for you right now
1: or what, what you'd like people to know about this time of year. So this time of year is, you know, we're in Advent. And for me, Um, I had a, after I'd been doing Inner Christmas for several years, I started getting these questions. So somebody asked me, well, what about Inner Advent, Lynn? And I thought, why are you asking me? And then I thought, wow, this is a great question. Let's, Let's explore it. And so I started thinking about Advent and not just from the way the church defined Advent as for Sundays, but as Advent as a season of the soul in the cycle of the year. So Advent is the what leads up to Christmas and the Holy Nights. So to me, that meant we had to empty ourselves out. We had to become more grail-like to receive whatever was going to come during the Holy Nights. Mm-hmm. And so I created these, programs called inner advent one is the year of light one is the year of darkness and it it's work you know you have to pay attention and you have to think in new ways about yourself Um, but if it's a practice it leads to inner development if it's a one-time thing you'll get something out of it but it really needs to be a yearly rhythm that every year at Advent, whether you use my courses or you do something on your own to empty out your soul. I mean, Steiner talked about the daily Rookshaw, the review of backwards review of the day. This is a backwards review of your year and a letting go. Hmm. So you're cleansing, you're emptying out so that you can receive the, what, what incredible richness comes through the holy nights? Now, there's several ways to deal with the holy nights. Some people do it astrologically.
0: Can you tell people what the holy nights are? Because, like, they might not really know what that means okay. necessarily. Um, and it's kind of specific. I haven't heard a lot of people outside anthroposophy talk about the holy nights, right.
1: so the holy nights and it's really interesting because it's what what do we do with this period of time? It's not just what what is it, but it begins with knowing what happens. So the idea is that between Christmas and Epiphany, between December 25th and January 6th, um, there are 12 nights during which the bales that separate spiritual consciousness from earthly consciousness the spiritual world from the earthly world um, lift and and you will get inspirations you will you know learn things there it's a a time of qualities and that's really important it's not a time of story a lot of people look at the holy Nights as predictive of their story for the coming year and that's a lovely way, and it may be quite true for some people. It's never been true for me. I I take the holy nights with a question, that it shows up as a theme. Uh, and this year, the theme for Inner Christmas is uh, pre birth promises, spiritual promises that live in all of us. And wow. believe me, I don't sit down and figure this out. It sort of like drops in like, Lynn, this is what you have to do. Mm. So um, um, anyway, so the the Holy Nights are just special. And, and I say at the end of of Christmas Day, you know, you've opened up all the presents. You've enjoyed all the friendships and relationships. And you've feasted on food. Um, Do you feel empty? Do you maybe feel a little sad? Is something missing? And this is this inner experience of selfhood, the renewal of selfhood, the enrichment of selfhood that comes during the 12 holy nights, if you pay attention. All right? It's not we, we get so busy in our lives, we ignore these things, because it's scary, because we don't have a language that describes it in a way that is empowering, that says, I am a spiritual being during the holy nights, I am ready to receive what comes to me, the imaginations, the inspirations, the intuitions, I can receive those, and I can process them. I can apply them. And so it's a development of quality, not a story. And then it's working with it from 12 different perspectives. Mm. So every year I choose the theme, and then every day I send out a message that deals with a different aspect of that theme. Mm. So a few years ago when I I sent out in the last um, post I put out, I did the uh, 12 aspects of kindness. I learned so much about kindness. I mean, it was unbelievable. And and so I write my messages the day I send them out. And I actually write them the day before, uh, because I have people in Australia and the Philippines, so I want to get it to them in time. And it's, you know, what are the questions here? What are the new perceptions? What new understanding am I getting? And when Steiner said, "If you can only learn truth if you have at least 12 different perspectives. With the Holy Nights, and it's amazing, this is my 16th year of doing it. So um, uh, this practice of looking at things from multiple perspectives, yeah not with judgment with compassion yep not with idealism with compassion mm-hmm. and what a difference it makes and do your little journaling talk with a friend about it i have had couples that you know and they get in bed at night and they say let's read the inner christmas message and they talk about it or i have people that you know sit at dinner each night with their kids Mm. and I say let me read this to you what do you think about it 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 really is lovely and then it sort of shifts something you're beginning the year so epiphany and and then you know i did inner advent i also do inner epiphany which i've rarely talked about because uh i feel i've filled people up with the inner christmas messages and sell them here's inner epiphany but um Then you start looking at your will now that you are new, now that you've had your epiphany. All right. So epiphany in the church celebrates the arrival of the kings Mm -hmm. and the three gifts. Then it also celebrates the baptism in the River Jordan, and Mm -hmm. it's the day they celebrate the wedding at Cana,
0: which is the
1: first manifestation of the Christ, the first miracle. It's in the John gospel, which is interesting. So I add into that picture because I like four uh, and because it makes sense. It's also what happens in the uh, temple when uh, Jesus is 12 years old. So there's the uh, epiphany of the gifts. There's the epiphany that comes with understanding and questions, which is what happens in the temple. Then there's the epiphany of a new sense of selfhood, which is the baptism. And then there's the epiphany of the new deed that you, you know, accomplish. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> this must be so fun.
0: Like, to, I mean, what an amazing thing for 16 years to be sort of developing these different connections and then offering people an opportunity to reflect in this way. So I didn't know about the inner epiphany. Inner
1: epiphany is I'm going to be writing, sending out a message about it next week so people can mm-hmm. sign up for it. But it's it's really, I mean, maybe partly I haven't promoted it because it was so Dunning to experience what the questions like, what are four levels of baptism? Hmm. You know what that, and there are four gestures of baptism, the one that makes us part of our family. So we're baptized into the belief system of the family. So that's infancy. Then there's the, the Christian churches that baptize around the age of 12. And that's baptizing into a, realm of worship, because they're old enough to understand. And then we move into psychological baptism, which is forming, you know, like people who uh, were raised Christian, and suddenly they uh, start working with Buddhism. And and then this real baptism into love, Mm. which is this higher gesture that is compassion, it's individuality, it's not a baptism that says you belong. And I go into the history of what was really going on with John the Baptist and what the experience was and who were these individuals that witnessed the baptism in the River Jordan.
0: Right. Who are the witnesses? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I've never thought about that No, I hadn't either until, yeah.
1: you know.
0: Yeah, you know, let's go back to something because now we're talking about individuals. And um, before we got on here, we were talking about uh, your birthday. And one of the things that you said was, you know, when you look at your year in review um, and when you were doing it in six-year cycles, right, okay. Um, okay. over time, you think about the people. And so can you talk about this, the the importance of the people? I heard you talking about the people that are witnessing the baptism, and that just sort of triggered in me the importance of um, people. I I was just going to say, you know, I saw this sort of mainstream thing online of like reviewing your decade, and the person didn't talk about the people. It was like accomplishments, challenges, strengths, da, da, da. But it wasn't like who were the people you met in that decade, and that um, I feel like going back to what you talked about, this encounter between us and what happens right, between right. us, if we don't take the, the people into account, we're really not being grateful to what came in
1: right. a way. And not only the the people that were of benefit to us, but also the people that challenged us, you know, that <laughs> abused us or seduced us or abandoned us.
0: Mm-hmm, you know, right. what did
1: we experience there? So... Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really important. So what can I say? I mean, I look at, at just the people I've encountered that I've collaborated with in making a contribution or that have just been about friendship. All right. So one, I have another, I'm going to bore you with fourfoldness, but I, I have realized recently that we all incarnate with four areas of intention. One, we come to serve and make a contribution. We come to connect and build relationship. We come to balance and form well-being in our bodies. And we come to evolve and experience inner development. So when you review your life, you want to look at how they all come together and you know, everything fits together. I, I've had people that have made me sick. I've had people that have made me well, that have helped me form an inner balance. I've had people that have greatly contributed to my inner development. I've had people that I've created. I created a birthing center. I was very involved with a wonderful group of people who started the Princeton Waldorf School. You know, and then I've had lovers and best friends and children and grandparents that shaped me that were in that realm of relationships. And it's very exciting to review from those pictures, you know, and um, and when people have left me, when a relationship mm-hmm. has stopped being active or somebody has crossed the threshold mm-hmm. of death, what, what happens? So um, our, you know, who are the people that open doors for you? Who are the people who close doors? You know? Yeah, so much. I mean, when I have clients show up, occasionally I'll have a client come to me and it's like, oh my God, don't tell me I have to be with this person. You know, there's an antipathy that comes up. And, but my commitment is to loving these people. Not liking them. People that I have had to counsel that I don't like have been the ones who've taught me how to love because liking is so easy. Yeah. But loving when there's antipathy...
0: Mm-hmm. Not so easy. Oh
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, so let's say I was like, I'm a little late, but I join your inner advent class. And what am I going to experience as it relates to this kind of reflection? Because I, I would imagine if I'm going back, if I'm doing the the year in review now. Um, the people would be a part of it. But what else would be a part of it? Can you tell me more?
1: All right. Well, the first task, and and right now there are two inner advents that I offer. And they've got audios and worksheets and slides and, you know, a discussion forum. And one is on the um, inner year of light, which is more of our soul reviewing our thoughts, our feelings, and our deeds. But before we go there, we build the context for the year. So we look at world events, and everybody this year has uh, re- everybody's been impacted by world events. Then there's looking at uh, your finances. Money is always a big thing. Uh, your work, what's happened in work, what's happened in your health. Um, you know, I had cataract surgery this year, you know, a big, big change. Um, and then, oh, culture life, you know, what books did you read? What movies did you see? You know, they, they impact us. What are you watching on Netflix or, you know, Amazon prime? I mean, who hasn't been impacted by the crown to experience the loneliness of privilege and to see this woman who's been a major fixture throughout our entire lives. I mean, it's fascinating. And what do, how do we reflect on that? What do we feel? So that's part of the year and review. You know, what, what's, what is the context that has shaped our thoughts, our feelings, and our deeds? Nice. And then, then I, ideally, you go backwards. You know, what were my thoughts, feelings, and deeds in the fall? What were they in the summer? What were they uh, in the spring? And then last winter. So, you know, ideally, you're you're journaling about all of this throughout the year. So you can just go back to your journal or your calendar. What did I accomplish? And then you look at what new truth. What new beauty, what new goodness did I experience? Mm. Because of my thinking, feeling and willing. And then how did I experience greater freedom and greater love? Wow. All right. That's what we're here to experience. Right. You know? I mean, yeah, that's it, right? You bet. And mm. so that and and then so then what am I morning? Or grieving, what am I celebrating? You know what it's. You know, and who have I shared all this with would be a, a perfect question. Right. How has that impacted my key relationships? And right. then I have a second one, which is on. I call the year of darkness. So it's on looking at your shadows, your sorrows, and your sufferings. It's startling. You yeah, know, to be right. to give yourself the time to, with a compassionate objectivity, to go there.
0: Mm-hmm. Say say what it is again. It's your your sorrows Shadows, or stuff. Shadows.
1: Sorrows. Shadows and suffering. suffering.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So it's it's big. I'm doing that one this year.
0: Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you you pick one yourself and do it. That's so great. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So I guess you know. In, in summary for that, what would you want to tell people about this time of year? Like, just to say, if I can only do one thing, what are you going to tell me to do? Let's just... Oh, I'm
1: not going to tell you to do anything. <laughs> uh, well, first, you know, I, I mean, in, I support myself by creating these courses and by yeah. calling individuals. So I certainly invite them to come and, and you know, go to imagineself.com, sign up for my posts. I mean, you know, what? the best post I wrote this year was the one on prayer dust. Look at the blog posts, pay attention, think about what you want to do. And I'm getting ready to have uh, like seven emails on what does it mean to be human? What do you mean when you say I? Yeah, that. well, that's great. So anyway, so... um that's what i want people to do i want to sign up and i really love them to think about doing um inner christmas christmas is by subscription and so it's either a dollar a message or three dollars a message or whatever you want to pay so it's it just makes a huge difference to to have this work now to jump to prayer dust um I have a neighbor, I've moved, you know, so I have a new neighbor whose house I'm looking at right now. And she is this lovely woman in her eighties and she's very active in her church. And it's, you know, it's one of those giant congregations. She will occasionally like with the cataract surgery or I was having back problems for a while, which I figured out what to do. And she'd say, um, you've been in my prayers. I'm praying for you. And I've never bought into that. You know, it's a little sentimental. I've, uh, in, I have a program I did on um, engaging your spiritual companions where I talk about prayer, meditation, uh, as well as the hierarchies and nature spirits and what have you. But it felt good to me. Mm. Does she say that to you? Did she said it to me.
0: Wow, nice.
1: So I had to start looking at it
0: mm-hmm. and right. I,
1: I don't, I mean, I've done so much work with karma. Mm-hmm. I've done so, you know, there's so much that all the karma that seems makes us uncomfortable or causes us suffering or whatever. People want it to go away. Yeah. And I find it, no, what is the lesson here? What is the benefit? Cause I look back at a pretty horrific childhood and, some real big challenges in my adult life, and the gift has been wisdom, and I will always choose wisdom over happiness.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. And,
1: uh, you know, my favorite Steiner quote is, wisdom is crystallized suffering.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, bring it on. I'm resilient. I know how to work with suffering. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I help my clients because I'm not yeah. saying, well, let's make this a happy story. I'm saying, let's make this a meaningful story. So, I started thinking about that, and then somehow, I don't know, Peter Pan came into my consciousness, and I thought of Tinkerbell and prayer, prayer, fairy dust, <laughs> and I said, oh, that's what I want to do. When I pray for somebody, I'm sending them prayer dust. Mm, beautiful. All right, and just clouds of my awareness that they're in my mm-hmm. life and that I'm Love them with a compassion that doesn't mean they have to have a pretty story, and that's what I do. And because then it's not just
0: a prayer that you say; you've sort of created a picture that goes with it, that it goes out and it goes around that person and
1: yes. connects
0: to them. Yeah, it's a cool picture. And it's you know,
1: like uh, you're clapping for Tinkerbell. I believe in you. <laughs> yeah. You are important no matter what happens in your story and the karma of your life. Mm -hmm. you're important to me yeah that's beautiful yeah well
0: i am so glad you're out here doing this work and just bringing it to everybody that's interested in having um this sort of reflective meaningful experiences and in especially these times of year and around certain markers in their lives and um i know people are going to jump on your site imagineself.com and get there and check out your classes and um, just have a deeper experience. You know, there's a lot of going out into the world right now because we're busy and we're shopping and there's parties. Da, 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 but it's really important to go inward and have that balance happening. Yes. Um, or yes. we, I feel like I miss something if I don't sort of echo what's happening in nature, which is, you know, the seed is underground it's it it needs that time time. it needs that time so it can grow and so I need to kind of go underground I need to go underground too so you
1: need to work with your kids on having some experience of that too yeah
0: that's true so they have it then in their own life rhythm as they right
1: Right. yeah that they've
0: experienced that it's not just a time of party it's a time of quiet Time of candles yeah reflection Hand. yeah that's Don't great, great. Yeah. yeah Yeah. okay well it's been so nice to talk to you is there anything that you didn't get to say that you wanted to share about
1: oh, god i mean i could talk for hours you
0: know <laughs> i should probably just make an appointment
1: all right okay Bye-bye. bye
0: lynn thank you thanks for joining us today on the anthroposopher stay tuned for our next episode